So as the pastor said, this is the last of the lessons. I'm sorry I've been out and not been able to get caught up on this. But uh, it's I enjoyed the lesson myself. I've learned a lot from it myself. I hope you have too. Um, before we get started, let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time we can gather together for Sunday school and also for later for service. And I pray, Lord, you'd uh, bless this day, Lord, and, and for not for the sake of anything but the hearing of the Word of God, that uh, you would bless it to our ears, Lord, and help it, uh, Lord, to be a help to us all, as even this this lesson has been a help to me, and and, and this final part of the lesson has been uh, something that. Uh, has been important to me also. And I pray, Lord, you be with Pastor and continue to keep him going and healed up, Lord. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would uh, give the doctors wisdom and, and everything in dealing with his situation that uh, he could, they could get him back into shape as, as you dictate, dictate their knowledge for them and wisdom for them in it. Lord, and we thank you for the fact that even in a trial like this, the importance of praying for our pastor comes very evident. And it it comes evident to any one of us, Lord, that's been through some sickness and things like that. But the prayer is very important. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us just wisdom in dealing with situations, even in our own lives, that through the things that we've... uh, learned just through this week, will stay with us, Lord, and, and, and continue to help us to grow in the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, if you would please turn to Proverbs chapter 16 and Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 16, Proverbs 25. Now, we're talking about temperance. Temperance is the last one in there, you know, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Temperance. Now, temperance comes in a lot of ways. Uh, but the thing is, mostly, is spiritually, it is the, it should have the biggest effect on us. And just in this study alone, it's been a big effect to me too. Because uh, if I got a problem with the, any of these nine fruits of the spirits, temperance is the one that challenges me the most. And I think men here, you'll understand that more a lot of times than than the ladies do. But temperance is important to all of us. And Webster's 1828 dictionary defines temperance as a moderation particularly habitual moderation in regard to indulgence of natural appetites and passions, as temperance in eating and drinking, temperance in the indulgence of joy and mirth. Just enjoyment in, you know, the visitation of it, of mirth. And and just temperance, well, continuing. Temperance in eating and drinking is opposed to gluttony and drunkenness, in other indulgences into excess. Now, this is the one that gets me more than anything. Patience. You got a problem with patience? 
as we get older, well, let's put it this way, as I get older, patience is even more difficult for me. Calmness. Sedateness. Moderation of passion. With the things that are going on in this world lately and seeing the stuff that's on TV. Now, granted, TV's blowing up a lot of things huge. Okay? Just as they blow up all the stuff with the election stuff that just becomes a big bomb every time somebody has to say something. And, you know, I don't think it's probably been any different any other year that there's an, an election. But the thing is, we're in a situation now that there's so much evil going on now. And God is just preparing us mentally and for our faith to rely more on Him to realize homecoming is getting closer. Probably closer than it ever was before. Because we're seeing so many things are coming together with Israel and other groups and things of this nature that are is pointing to her, toward a real eminent return. Now, how eminent that is by years, I don't know. But it could be tomorrow. Correct? Could be tomorrow. So... Just trying to get here down the road. It was a decent travel today because nobody's on vacation and stuff like this. There wasn't many, too many crazies out there at all. They were going, they were going over the speed limit. Me, I got real temperament. And the temperance came in when I says, okay, I am not going to do over 70 miles an hour and I'll stick in that right lane until I can't, and go back into it. You know what? It was an easy drive. Because I didn't feel the pressure to have to keep up with the other ones that are having the pressure to feel they have to keep up, you know? And it was enough of an open road, I had no problems. Because all that traffic is down. But uh, being in rush hour situations and things like this, I could feel myself getting upset lots of times. You know, and people think that they're the only one on the road. Have you run into that? I mean, you had to run into that being this close to Portland and Vancouver. It can get a little crazy on the road. So as I get older, my fuse is a lot shorter. And I have to Try to get at it and put it out and get control a little bit mentally and say, you know what? I don't have to be in a hurry to go anyplace. The only thing as I am in a hurry to do is go home. And the only way I can do that is just in prayer and concern for others in reading the Word of God, in preparing myself for that journey, which is like that, fortunately. No traffic. So, Earth's um, temperate zone is the space between the Earth and between the tropics. 
in polar circles where the heat is less than the tropics and the cold is less than the, uh, the polar circles. So you have that area around the equator and, and distances between going towards each pole. They're all moderate temperatures. So in those moderate temperatures, it's just an example how we got to stay between the hot zone and we got to stay between the cold zone, even in life, so that we're in an area that we can operate comfortably as a Christian. And we do that mentally. We have to do that mentally. Temperance is the fruit of the Spirit, involves the discipline and character imparted to us by God after salvation. In, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, oh, thanks for somebody reminding me of that. I heard somebody's phone go off, so I gotta do the same. Do not disturb. Okay. Proverbs 16, 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. Okay, imagine a city, and if you can imagine the story of Jericho, what happened there? The walls came down. And then that town became desolate after time. Like a city broken down, no protection, without walls. And that's protection between for enemies, from nature, whether it be storms or animals or anything like that. That protection helps people. Just fortunately, we do have some mental protection in the Word of God. So the temperance is to help us with some of that feeling of protection that, so that we can see that if we rule over our own spirit, we are also protecting our spirit from possibly falling into sin. It's just basically called self-control. It's what it is. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll look at verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Paul defines temperance in the terms of keeping his body under subjection. So it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. It's not a team effort in a race. It's one person wins. Now you can have a second and a third, but one person takes the top prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they 
do it to obtain a corruptible crown, <clears throat> but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run not uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. Temperance. When I was a young Christian, <clears throat> just saved, <clears throat> I was still trying to shake the world out of some of my thoughts and my deeds and my attitudes because I was young, very young. And I would do something and realize that's not what God would have me to do. You know what would happen? Somebody else would call me out on it. They'd say, hey, I thought you were a Christian. And in my pride, I would ruin a testimony instantly. And then later would have to see if I could go and patch that up just by going and talking to that person or any of those groups that I was with or anything like that so that I could be able to move on and realize that I need to be in control. And, and it's not just so much me being in control, but I need him to control me more. So I don't want to be a castaway before somebody. You know, what are we, what are you doing? It's preaching to me, you know? You're doing the same stuff. You can't do that. So we see that temperance <clears throat> is keeping his body under subjection, Paul was talking about. John Wesley's mother once wrote him while he was in, in as a student in, in Oxford and said this, anything which increases the authority of the body over the mind is an evil thing. John Wesley's mother was a very godly woman. If you see any history on, on her, very godly woman. So what are the areas of temperaments? Now, temperaments is, was the first thing we talked about, how it was biblically defined. And what the Bible says about it is, is the only way that you're going to realize the importance it is to God. Now, the next one is the areas of temperaments. It is especially important that we have temperance when we live in a lax, lazy, permissive, materialistic, and creature comfort-oriented society. Don't we all want that anyways? Because we're going to see that someday. We're going to see peace on earth someday. As Christians living in modern America, the saying that prosperity is the greatest test of character certainly applies to us. Look how many people are just making unbelievable amounts of money. Yet, you see in their lives, their marriage could be falling apart. They're, you know, they get involved in all kinds of other things, including drugs, make a mess because they got all kinds of money to buy drugs. They, lose those marriages, they lose family, they lose their children, basically, and they turn outcast, you know, in all that. 
And besides that, they're trying to be more politically motivated to back people to keep their money. You know, they want that money, so they want to keep that money. And it just reminds me of that rich man that says, hey, look at these all increased in goods. And he says, I got all this stuff. I have to big, I got to build bigger barns. I got to get more barns. Got to fill up all these barns. I'm making all this profit. What happens? He dies. Where did that go then? Where did that go then? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In the areas of temperaments, all things are, this is uh, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. That's, again, that areas of temperaments, and and Paul talking about that self-control again. So when we see in that, Paul determined it was not to be brought under the power of anything, be it good or bad. Temperance also bears the uh, connotation of abstinence. Temperance uh, societies have formed during the Prohibition days, and these people are in favor of the total abstinence from liquor. Total, you know. Now, as a kid, I drank, and I got saved, and I don't know why, other than the fact that it was the Spirit of God in me, and trying to grow, and this is before I even heard of a message on any of it. Somebody offered me a beer, friend, he says, uh, no thanks, I quit. And then astonished the guy I was with that you quit, but he didn't say anything. Now, granted, I haven't been saved that long, probably less than a month, but God was already talking to me about it. And I wasn't a big drinker anyway, so I wasn't going to be missing out on anything. You know, it was just, you know, occasional drinker and, and I never drank a lot because I didn't need a lot to get stupid. So, and it was just one of those things. And two weeks later, I heard a message on it. Two weeks later, just confirming my decision. That was the Holy Spirit working. And that's the first evidence that I, that, that came back to me other than the fact of how I felt after getting saved. But that was that first evidence of making a decision for God in realizing that, yes, he's at work. He's at work in my life. And it was a good feeling. It really was a good feeling. So the temperance things, the temperance movement, and listen, I know a lot of Christians who are drinkers. And uh, and it's sad because they're being fooled. They don't call it spirits for nothing. Well, they talk about 
drinking in the Bible. Yeah, most of the times the drinking in the Bible, just look at the example of like Lot and others. Well, it says to take wine for thy stomach's sake. Okay, did you know that there's three connections, three, down, three connections to the word wine in your Bible? Here's the wine that will get you drunk or an alcohol. And there's, there's also strong drink that's talked about too. We're just talking basically about wine because everybody says, well, wine is okay because it's not as strong and I still have control. Then, of course, nobody understands then the reason for somebody being called a wino. But there's three. So you got the alcohol part. You also had the vinegar part of it, <clears throat> and you also have the fresh. Did Jesus Christ change water into alcohol? If you believe that, <clears throat> then you don't even believe the word of God that he was pure. Because he turned water into the divine fruit of wine that was not an alcoholic, but it was just as if it was squeezed right from the grapes itself. I totally believe that. He wouldn't do it because vinegar is corrupt. <clears throat> alcoholic wine is corrupt. You have to corrupt them to make them work. They have to turn. So... We see that that temperance, uh, although the lack of temperance is primarily a Gentile characteristic, the Pharisees were, the Pharisees were guilty of access as well. Turn to First Peter, chapter four, verse three and four, and then we're also going to look at Matthew twenty-three. Go ahead and look at First Peter four and Matthew twenty-three. First Peter chapter four, verse three. For the time is past of our life, uh, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, access of wine, revilings, banquetings, abominable idolatries, wherein we think it strange that ye run not with them to the same Access of riot speaking evil of you. As well, it says it's just the excess of wine. So if you have one glass, you're okay. There's enough alcohol in, in some wines by one glass that you could be pulled over and considered intoxicated. You won't pass a breathalyzer test. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and access. So what was, what was, what was Jesus saying there? He was telling the Pharisees and, you know, you know, in the scribes, you know, the ones that they were living riotously off their own interests 
in the group they were with. And and just there was no satisfaction. How you doing today? Welcome. So we're we're just talking about uh, some study in the Word of God on temperance. So in that that full of extortion and access, we don't want to push anything because we can get ourselves in trouble with being a glutton. Just by being a glutton. Turn to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs 23. The Bible admonishes us to be temperate even in our eating habits. And we're going to look at Deuteronomy 21 along with that. So find that also. Um, I'm only giving you enough for two fingers. You can stick one in the first one and another finger in the next one. If you get into three, and I never get into four, you know, getting all those fingers in your Bible gets a little rough. So, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 20, it says, Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come uh, come to poverty and drowsiness, shall clothe a man with rags. Now, we're just talking about food and drink here, but it's temperance again. So temperance is it involves just eating. So, in, in, well, I really don't have to say any more on it, really. Deuteronomy 21.20 says, And they shall say unto the elders of this city, This is our son. This, our son, is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. They recognize it. They recognize it as negative as far as spiritual things. Negative. So we see that this temperance... uh it admonishes us to be temperate in, in even in our eating habits. Temperance is not only includes physical appetite, but mental appetite as well. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse, uh, verse 5 says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I mean, that should be a daily occurrence. That should be an hourly occurrence. It should be a minute, every minute occurrence, bringing in everything in our mind to the obedience of Christ. And that's not always possible because we are still human. But yet, God gives us strength to do so. I guess we have to be looking ahead a lot of times. So just like you look ahead on the road for issues. Okay, I don't want to get over there. That looks like it could could be an accident or whatever. So I'm going to stay over in this lane. I'm going to look ahead. That guy is going way too fast. He could cause a problem. This person is going so slow sometimes. 
and he's in the center lane, and sometimes even in the in, uh, the inside lane, and he's going to cause a problem, or she, whoever it is, or they're on their phone, or they're doing stuff that they don't need to be doing but concentrating and driving. You you know where most of my problems are. You can understand where most of my problems are in driving. So, so casting down those imaginations. In Proverbs chapter 29, 11, you turn there, you see that we are to be temperate in our speech. We need to temper our speech. Sorry, I'm guilty of that too. It's one time or another, we're all guilty of that. We're just, well, we said the wrong thing. So, Proverbs 29, 11, the fool uttereth all his mind. Oh, man, did that hurt. But a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. He dwells on it. And realizes what's important, what's not important. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 is a companion verse to that in the, in the New Testament. Ephesians 5 verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which is not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. You know, you can get together with family and have a good time, stuff like this, but sometimes that can get out of control because you're goofing around a little too much. You're just trying to be in a moment with something, and you end up saying something wrong. It isn't necessarily evil. It was just the wrong thing to say at that time. It happens to everybody. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. Turn there. Proverbs 25, 28. Temperance includes the ability of one to rule over his human spirit. The ability to rule over his human spirit. Proverbs 25, 28 reads, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city is broken down without walls. We read that up above. In this gentleman that wrote this thing, he he felt it necessary to put it in there because it can mean a lot of things to each one of us. To rule over our spirit is like a city of broken down without walls. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Proverbs 6, verse 6. We are to be temperate even in the amount of rest we get. Boy, that seems just so strange. He, he would include that in that. But uh, just thinking of the rest, the rest that we get, the time we take off, you, you'd think it would be a good thing. But here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Which having no guide, overseer, this going to verse 11, or a ruler provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? 
When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as one as an armed man. What does an armed man do? He goes out to steal. So he's going to rest. He's resting because, okay, he's had a good, good haul. He can rest now. He doesn't have a good job. He doesn't have a, even a bad job. He doesn't have a job but to cause pain to others. And we see that all the time. All the time. So I guess it's good that we get up in the morning, try to get up there and get your breakfast into you, read your Bible, keep going. Maybe it's good to get an earlier night at night. But get up early and get going again. Have a purpose. Have a purpose. And finally, that was uh, the areas of temperaments, temperance. Now this is the admonitions of temperance. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 reads, and we're going from 5 to 8. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you learn those things? You get into the Word of God. And just getting into the Word of God will help you not to be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of the Word of, uh, of, of Jesus Christ because you've learned the things about the temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and that brotherly kindness finally leading you to charity. Now what is charity? It's not just giving of money. Charity is being kind all the time to others, people you don't know. And that charity comes basically as a help to try to be out there to help, to be a help to people. Turn to Philippians Chapter 4, verse 5. Just back a little bit. Philippians 4, 5. So we are to be temperate. I'm sorry. Let's see where I am. Yeah. Our moderation is to be known to all men, obvious and apparent. So we're supposed to be an outward side of this temperance that's in us, of our moderation of things. 
Let your moderations be known to all men. This is Philippians 4, 5. The Lord is at hand. When this was written, he was at hand. And could he have come? Here's a possibility. Yeah, he could have come. He could have come if Israel would have accepted him and he could have been king right then and there. But what did they do? They rejected him. They weren't tempering at all. And because of that, we wait. We wait to see him working and working constantly. Turn it to uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Titus 1 and 2. Titus was instructed to speak of sound doctrine, the sound doctrine of temperance. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. But speak thou the things which become good, or, I'm sorry, become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound of faith, in charity, in patience. In charity and in patience. Acts chapter 24, verse 24 and 25 says, Paul dealt with Felix concerning temperance while preaching the gospel to him. And this is, when you look at this thing, it's an amazing thing that what he went through to try to reach somebody and then, well, let's read it and I'll, I'll, I'll show you what I found in it. It'd be chapter 24, verse 24 of Acts. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Druess, a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Paul had an impact on Felix. Paul got through to him somehow a little bit here, and he trembled. It concerned him of his own life. But this is what happened. Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. He couldn't hear anymore at that time. It was bothering him so much. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Did he? He never did. Because the devil probably whispered in his ear, just don't pay any attention to Paul. He's got a problem. You know, he's turned his back on Israel and all this stuff. You know, when he didn't really, he was trying to reach Israel for Christ. But Felix almost got saved there. He was convicted, and he pushed it away. Sad. That's sad. And finally, Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Temperance is a qualification for the office of a bishop or pastor. 
Titus chapter 1, verse 7, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine. Didn't say much wine. It just said, don't do wine. No striker. You know what a striker is? Somebody that strikes out. You could do it verbally. You could do it physically. There's a lot of things. You know, if you're sailing, you're going to pull that sail. What do they do? They tell you to strike the sail. You're coming in to deal with somebody. Let's strike a deal. Well, the strike a deal thing is, is let's get this thing figured out and fast so that they don't catch on to what I'm up to. So, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but the lover, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. So temperance comes into play daily in our life. Just daily. Whether it be with our family, with our friends, with our, those we worked with, you know, or when we were working. <laughs> but anytime you have re- an interaction with people, show restraint, show temperance. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank you for the lessons, Lord, that uh, we had gone through, and I, I hope they're as a help to the people that listens as, as they were to me, Lord, and uh, helping me get through some things, Lord, that, that just dealing with situations in everyday life and also with family and with neighbors and things of this nature, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you'd give me wisdom continually to be aware of those nine fruits of the Spirit and that we can, I can be, be instructed and, and brought into line which, with the things that I know for years are right. And just help me, Lord, to be an example of your Son in my life. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.